But we're not going to limit ourselves and say, well, we only could do a couple of songs here and there. No, we're, we're, we have the creator in us, and we are g- going to do that. So I am so, so blessed uh, of that. I don't know about you, but we could, ha- we could go home and we've had church already. Well, I want to give you for the next uh, probably 30 minutes uh, something that I, I'm titling uh, Lessons from the Shepherds in the Field. I've never really spoke about this. And in seeing the story in Luke, there's different many messages, but I want to encourage you today. And by the way, afterwards, we want you to stay because we're going to gain some calories for the Lord. Amen? The Lord is good. Taste, taste and see, come on, that the cookies are good. That's PG chapter 1 verse, verse 3. But uh, we're going to have some Christmas cookies. Um, but I tell you what, guys, um, we're living in a season where, uh, where God the creator is creating through us. And let me tell you, he didn't stop creating. So once again, I want to just tell you, um, if you can, um, fill this yes or no if you're willing to take the time out to come on Wednesdays and give it to Steve. Steve, stand up if you can. Come on. God bless you, Steve. And give it to him afterwards. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2. I'm actually very excited about this. I want to encourage you. Um, I get excited when I preach the word of God because it's life-giving. Can I, can I hear an amen? I want everyone to turn to Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you just give me 25, 30 minutes, I'm going to give you four lessons that I saw. Everybody say four. Four prophetic lessons that I saw from the story of the shepherds. In other words, if the shepherds were here today... I, I saw four prophetic pillars that I never saw before uh, in the story of when the angel visited them. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And by the way, by the way, these lessons are to be applied to your everyday life. Can I hear an amen? These lessons from the shepherds are not just 2,000 years ago. I, the Holy Spirit gave me these prophetic uh, lessons that are to be applied for today. So if you have your Bibles real quick on our Christmas, hey, if any day we should have pay attention to the Word of God is our Christmas service. Come on, amen? So don't be on Facebook. Don't be scrolling on Instagram. Yes, I said that. Don't be on Twitter. Come on. Unless you're quoting a good quote from me. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and we're going to start in the NLT, the NLT version. Uh, back there, guys. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. We're going to read through 20. Now, this is familiar, but we're going to go back and break this scripture down for you. And, and, and those of you that know me know that I can't preach the word without getting a little prophetic and preaching on, on there, right, to encourage you. All right? So watch this. That night, everybody say that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Now that is a whole different sermon. We need shepherds to start guarding their sheep again. That's a whole different sermon. But they were at night guarding uh, the flocks of the sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord, can I get a little bit more volume, just a little bit uh, on my microphone. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance, thank you, of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Now watch this. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you know this story, but watch this. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah. Could you imagine this reality? They've been waiting thousands of years for this. 
The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly in, stri- in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel, as he's speaking, was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven. So picture that. There was one angel, and while uh, that's already shocking enough, and as the angel is speaking, all of a sudden, the shepherd's eyes are open to multitudes, multitudes of the armies of the host of heaven, okay? It says, um, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those to whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let us go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The shepherds hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. I want that to sink in. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and, and thought about them often. Here's the last verse. The shepherds were, went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angel had told them. Can I hear an amen? Now, I want to I I brief you with something that's so powerful about this story that we read every Christmas, right? But here's what I want you to see. Before I give you these four lessons of the shepherds in the field, I want you to notice who the angels came to with this news for the very first time that would change all of history. He didn't come. You would think that the angels would come to the spiritually elite of the day. In other words, the high priest maybe should have been the first to know about the, the, the angels coming about Jesus being born on the earth. You would think the king, Herod of Judah, would be one who would be uh, privy to getting the news that the greatest moment in history was about to come. None of these people, elite people, were had the privilege to get the news that Jesus was born Messiah on the earth. Not even, Not even the governmental leaders were first. God chose lowly shepherds on the fields for the angels. Listen, before he showed it to any person of importance in society, he showed them to some ragtag shepherds that were in the fields. And the reason why I call them ragtags, because if you study first century shepherds, they're not like the Hallmark Christmas cards that you see because they were very territorial. They did not want people to invade their land. They were very protective of their flock, right? The shepherds don't mean pastors. I know that nowadays we think that, right, because there's an analogy. But back, like real shepherds of real animals, they were very territorial and sometimes didn't have the good bedside manners. And why do I say this? Because what I'm about to share with you is the lessons that I saw in this scripture that brings hope, watch this, encouragement and strength as we learn these lessons from the fields. And here is the first lesson, and I love this. I preface it with this. Look at the first point. It's going to be on your screen. Your first point of the lesson is this, that lesson number one, Jesus always comes to ordinary places and ordinary people. 
Listen, I know this sounds simple, but I'm going to get deep. Jesus always comes to ordinary places and ordinary people. Because when the angels came to the shepherds, let me tell you, they were very ordinary and they were doing everything routine. We in America are stuck in routine, good routines, but those routines sometimes stop us from receiving the things of God because we're so routine. But here's the good news. Here's the good news about Christmas. The story of lesson number one says you don't have to be super spiritual or super deep for God to visit your life. Oh, come on. That should make someone shout. You don't necessarily have to pray for five hours for God to visit you. You will get closer to the Lord. No doubt about that. You don't have to pray ten hours. Yes, you will get much more from the Lord when you do that. But even if you don't and you are just an ordinary person that is struggling to live and struggling to love God, God still visits in ordinary places and ordinary people. I have news for you. You don't have to beat yourself over the head to get God to notice you. Jesus came in an ordinary place, very ordinary place, so that you and I could see something. This is He came to these shepherds who, if I could be honest with you, they were probably losing sleep. They were probably cranky because they were staying, the Bible said they were staying up all night guarding the sheep, and they were probably sweaty. They were very ordinary. They were not prestigious people. And God didn't say, well, they're prestigious people. They have it, watch this, all together. So therefore, I'm going to use those who who have it all together and appear to them first. No, he appeared to people that didn't have it all together. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He first appeared to people, to shepherds that weren't even looking for him. They were, they were tending the sheep. They were, in, they, they were, they were looking at those bah, 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 you know, sheep, and they were trying to keep it from wolves. And then suddenly Jesus appeared to them. I want to encourage you today. This is so beautiful that Jesus still desires to meet you in the most mundane, ordinary, routine places of your life. If you're honest with yourself, many of us, are Christians, but we're just living and we're not thriving. We're existing and we're not supernaturally living. God says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. He he didn't say, I come to give you existence and existence more abundantly. He said, I come to give you life. And sadly, many Christians nowadays, they're existing, but they're not living. He's coming to ordinary people in ordinary places, doing their ordinary rituals, and he wants to interrupt your life. Watch this. Are you ready for this? Jesus' birth in an ordinary place, and angels uh, appearing in an ordinary place to ordinary shepherds is a prophetic sign that Jesus is interested in invading your ordinary life to make it extraordinary. Put that point on the, on the screen. Look at that. Jesus' birth in an ordinary place. Come on. And angels appearing to ordinary shepherds. How many ordinary people we got here in the house? All right. Speaks prophetically of Jesus being interested in invading your ordinary life to make it extraordinary. Oh, make no doubt about it, friends. One visitation from Jesus and your life will go from ordinary to extraordinary. 
Oh, come on. How many, how many can say amen to that? One visitation, one encounter from Jesus, and your life will no longer be boring. It will no longer be routine. You can make a routine, but if listen, if you encounter Jesus, you'll go from ordinary to extraordinary. Why? You'll still have your bills. You'll still have maybe some problems with your family, but your spirit will be reborn. And your life transformed. And here's a good one. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. You don't got a different Holy Ghost in you than Jesus, right? We're like, it's like, you know, this is Holy Ghost A and Holy Ghost B. Think about what I'm saying. Because Jesus came on the earth, he makes us, our life, go from ordinary to extraordinary but I'm going to even give you better news. He wants to interrupt the ordinary. But watch, your ordinary doesn't disqualify you from his visitation. He came to shepherds that were doing the same thing day and night. The Christmas story is about Jesus coming to your everyday life in your frustration, in your pain, in your mess up, in your raggediness, in your, in your the, when you don't have it all together. The Christmas story is coming in the, in the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in the normalcy of your life, and saying, I still want you. I still want you. Watch this. I still want you just the way you are. Like Billy Joe, I love you just the way you are. But you, Jesus says, come as you are, but when you come as you are, you won't stay as you are. Come on, come on. Jesus says, come as you are, but when you come, you won't stay as you are. That's the point up there. That's the point that I wanted you to make. Jesus said, if you see a lot of people, well, well God, you know, he, he accepts me as I am. A hundred percent he accepts you as you are. As, as, as messed up and dirty, whatever, uh, filthy, uh, messed up, sinful, however you want to call it. He says, come as you are. But as you come as you are and you encounter Jesus, you won't stay as you are. You will not. It's impossible to truly have an encounter with the person of Jesus and not change. It reminds me, before I go to lesson two, it reminds me of this man that I uh, read about, young man, his name was Bill. And he was a college student, and um, he went to college, but he really had like poor clothes. He came from a poor family. Listen to this. Comes from a poor family, and he barely made it. He got a scholarship to college, but he had uh, broken jeans, uh, shoes with holes in it, no socks on it. His, uh, his attire was dirty, and he was known around the college campus as the guy, right? You know, that guy that everyone needs to minister to, and that guy who kind of just kind of around the college campuses, always begging for money. One day, the church uh, near the, the college campus was holding a service, and this man, this young man, Bill, with raggedy clothes and, and holes in his uh, shoes and in his jeans, came up, and his hair was not, uh, was not done, and the place was filled so that he couldn't find any seats. So the story goes that he came from the back, and he started coming to the front, and all of a sudden, as a, as a pastor is preaching, everyone got silent. Isn't church folks just awesome? They started looking at the guy. They started kind of whispering what is going to happen to this guy. They were waiting for ushers to take him out. 
right? Nobody did anything. And this, one, this man, Bill, couldn't find a place. So he came all the way to the front, looked at the pastor, and began to sit down in the middle of the, uh, by the altar and just stare at him. So everyone was waiting for somebody to do it. All of a sudden, in that moment, there was a, a deacon of the church that was there for 80. Uh, he was 80 years old, but he was, bit, he was there since the foundation of the church. He had a cane, and he's walking slowly. And everyone's saying, okay, surely he's going to do something about this man who's interrupting our service. This deacon came up, and slowly he came up there with a cane. He came right next to him, and with difficulty, put the cane down and sat down right next to him and said to him, can I sit with you and worship with you? And the young man said yes, and the deacon whispered to the pastor, it's okay. And they sat together for the whole service. And I thought, I was thinking, isn't that what this message is about? That Jesus comes and says, can I sit with you? Can I, can I sit with humanity? Can we worship our God, our Father, together? I no longer call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now he's your Father too. Can I come with you and worship our Father together? That's what Jesus did for Christmas. He elevated his father to our father. Oh, my! I could go home. I could go home. That's one of the best revelations you ever hear. When, Jesus, when someone tells you, what's one of the reasons for Jesus? Many. You tell them this. He graduated. By Jesus coming to earth, he said, it's no longer my father. It's our father. Amen. The disciples said, teach us how to pray. And he didn't say, he didn't say it's my dad. You just get to tag along with me. He says, when you pray, pray this, our Father. What? Could you imagine the shock of the disciples? Wait, 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 wait. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Mo Moses? Yep. And you're saying our instead of yours? I want you to say our Father who are in heaven. Hallowed be your name. That's what the Christmas story is about. Up until Jesus came, you couldn't be dared to say our Father and mention God. So when Jesus comes, lesson number one, he comes to ordinary people and ordinary places. Can I be, before I go to lesson number two, don't disqualify yourself anymore from here on out. That you can't get more of God because you're not, amen, because you're comparing yourself to some deep pastor or some deep uh, ministry or some deep person. Let me tell you the number one thing that will kill your relationship with God is comparison. Do not compare. God has made you uniquely you. And he wants to visit you right where you're at. Number two. Lesson number two from the shepherds of the field is this. Jesus always comes when we least expect it. Can I preach a little bit? <laughs> Jesus comes when we least expect it. Say that with me. Jesus comes when we least expect it. Look at me, look at me. Isn't that good news? Now, so, to some of you, it's hard news because there's a saying that says, God is never early, God is never late. He's always on his time. Sometimes I wish he was early. But I want to tell you, God always comes when we least expect it. And sometimes when we least expect it is when we're about to give up. Hello? Sometimes when we least expect it is when we tried all the avenues to reach out to God and he hasn't uh, answered us. We've prayed and we've passed it for an answer and nothing happens. And right when we are about to give up, God comes in and enters in. 
Do you think the shepherds were looking at their watches, whatever, however they told time, their sundial? Did you ever think that the shepherds looked at their clock or their time and said, any moment now, we should be visited by an angel, guys. Just be ready. we got to have it all together. No, it shook them and it shocked them. Why? Because Jesus always comes when you least expect it. Woo! Especially when you think all doors are closed. Especially when you think there is no more hope. The God of hope comes when we least expect it. Oh, come on. Say amen. He comes. Listen, I want to say this. The Lord shared this with me last night. When did, I'm going to give you a trivia quiz. When, do you believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were people of God? Do you believe Daniel was a person of God? Fasting and prayed, right? Do you know when, come on, I'm going to give you a little encouragement. When did God show up in their life? When they were standing for truth and saying, okay, I'm not going to bow down to all these people and to that idol. Surely God is going to see my faithfulness and, and God is going to blow a wind and knock that king over. And there's no way that he's going to allow me to go into that burning fire. God didn't show up in that. He was obedient and God didn't show up. So here, here's, here's, they, they arrest Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they said, uh, we're going to give you one more chance. And the guy goes, turn the fire up really high. In other words, you're going to be in excruciating pain for a couple of minutes before you die. Are you sure you want to do that? Yep, I'm sure. And <laughs> I can imagine, any moment now, God, you know, like, any, any, now, you know, like, now is a good time. I'm telling them in front of, watch this, grabbed them, threw them in. God still had not come yet. He comes when we least expect it. In their mind, they say, okay, we're going to die for the Lord. As they're going in, Jesus shows up. <laughs> Jesus didn't show up before the fire. He showed up when they were in the fire. Let me tell you something. When they looked and said, who is that? We threw three people in there, but we see four, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. The Bible says Jesus showed up right at the nick of time. Just like he did to the shepherds. Totally unannounced, invading their normal life. Listen, how about Daniel? Daniel was a praying man. He fasted. They told him, you better not fast or pray anymore. And they were spying on him. And they said, and he said, I'm going to pray regardless. But do you know that if you pray, Daniel, you're going to go into the lion's den. That's a very painful death. Bones getting crushed by lions, eating you alive. No anesthesia. I know that's a little graphic. Daniel said, no worries. You keep doing what you're doing. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. And, and, and the audacity, I love it, of an obedient man. I'm gonna, that's a title of a sermon. The audacity of an obedient person. <laughs> he, the Bible says he got on his knees like he usually did. And you know what I love about Daniel? He wasn't hiding. The Bible said he opened the window. Man, if I was Daniel, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm gonna pray, but I'm gonna close every door, and I'll make sure, right? <laughs> he got down and he and he opened the window, and the Bible says he prayed. There was people watching him. They took Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. Now, could you imagine? Me and you read the story, so we think it's okay. But put yourself in Daniel's shoes. He thought, okay, this is how you know, because there's many martyrs, martyrs that got brutally killed for the Lord. So he's probably thinking, okay. This is how I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm going to get eaten alive. 
he gets in the lion's den. And I'm just picturing this. I can't prove this. But I picture the lions were, were wanting to eat him. And they were like, mm, mm, mm. The Bible says the Lord shut the mouth of the lions. Church, when did the Lord show up for Daniel? Not before. Not when he was standing for truth. Is when right when he was in the midst of dying. He always shows up unexpectedly. How about Gideon? Christina shared a bit about, about Gideon. Guess what? You know where Gideon was when God says, oh, you great man of valor. <laughs> you know, if, so, if God said that to you, you'd be like, keep talking. He said, oh, you great man of valor. The Lord has chosen you to defeat the armies of Israel. You know what he was doing? He was crushing, he was threshing the wheat in the wine press. You don't thresh wheat in the wine press. You thresh wheat out in the open air. But he was hiding from the enemy. Look it up for yourself in Judges. He was hiding and scared for his life. And while he's threshing in a fearful state, God says, I know you're fearful, but I'm going to still call you man of valor. I'm preaching good this morning. So watch. Lesson number two is that he shows up when we least expect it. I'm going to throw in another thing in there. He shows up when we don't deserve it. Did you hear me? He shows up and blesses you because he loves you, protects you, and shows you his wonders, not because you deserve it, because he's God. You know, there's, a, there's an old African-American pastor years ago that you know this about, this was old church, that with a grandma or someone that said, God is God all by himself. He don't need anybody else, Right? He, he don't need you to encounter you. Say he comes in in the last minute. He comes in unexpectedly. Look at this next slide before we go to number three. What the story of Christmas reminds us of is that God shows up in our lives sometimes when we least expect it and we don't even deserve it. How many could testify of that? I've seen the Lord touch me and bless me when I was angry at him. Guess what that does to your heart when God does that to you? When you're, when you're a Jonah and you're kind of, I'm going to preach, and God says, hey, let's go send him some blessings. And in the midst of your rebellion, God starts blessing you. What do you think that does to your heart? You're going to say, God, thank you for your mercy. I don't deserve it, but you're still God. He, you know, the Bible says he doesn't treat us according to our iniquities. Thank the Lord. Psalm 103 says he does not treat us according to our iniquities. If he were to count iniquities, all of us would fail. All right? So number two is from the lessons of the shepherds that Jesus comes unexpectedly. And number three, I'm almost done. Are you getting something? Now, this is going to hit home to some of you guys, but I want you to listen. Lesson number three from the shepherds in the field is this. Put that up there. Jesus comes to bring you his joy in the midst of your darkness. Jesus comes to bring you. Now, wait, that sounds really preachy, right? But I'm actually going to prove it in the story of Luke that you just read. You say, how is that? Yes, I see the joy. But what do you mean in the midst of darkness? Do you know? Are you ready for this? Do you know a little trivial lesson before we read it again? What 
the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, which you just read, the very first words I read, when did the angels appear to the shepherds? At night. In the darkness. In the darkness of their lives, angels appeared announcing joy. There are people in this room and all over the United States that during this time of year, when everyone's happy, they are reminded of a loss. They are reminded of a death of a family member. They are reminded of a mistake they did that constantly every year seems to remind them or try, the enemy tries to condemn, and, the, and we lack joy. But I want you to see, look at Luke again. Look at Luke chapter 2. It's going to be on your screen, verse 8 and 10 in the NLT. Look what it says. It says, that night, everybody say, that night. There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of the sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy. Great joy. Notice when the angels told the shepherd the good news. It was dark. Hear me now. Here's lesson number three. If you're in a dark place, hear me. If you're in a dark place in your life, if you're in a season that you find yourself heavy, you find yourself sorrowful, you find yourself full of pain, this Christmas story is a continual reminder that he promises to bring you joy. Watch this. Now, this is key. In your darkness, he may not... Ter- he may not necessarily take away what's causing darkness, although he can do that. But in the midst of your darkness, he will give you joy and he will give you a breakthrough. And do you know why? Because he wants you to trust him for who he is, not which is what he gives to you. And, and the Lord wants you to know that these are one of the lessons. I'm about to go to lesson four. I need the worship team to come up here to the platform, please. We're about, to, we're about to close, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this last lesson. Say lesson number three. Is God restoring my joy in the midst of my darkness? Come on, say that with me. Say, God, I believe that you could light the areas of darkness in my life and give me freedom. Now, without the raising of hands, without raising hands, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. In this season, has it been a painful season for you? Has it been a dark season for you? Or for the last six months, has it been a dark season? Let me tell you, start applying the lessons of the shepherds. That at nighttime, while they were in the dark, news came forth and it brought them joy. The Bible says they left praising God. Do you know that you could praise God in the midst of darkness? Do you know that you could praise God really with joy, not fake, with joy in the midst of bad news? Because bad news does not identify who you are. Hello, I want to say that again. Bad news does not identify who you are, neither does it identify your ability as a person, as a parent, as a teacher, as a business person. We all have failures. But a true sign of a champion are not those who never fail. They're those who never quit. You know that Michael Jordan failed a lot, and he's known as the greatest basketball player to ever lace up shoes. Yet, yet, (laughs) 
All those Kobe Bryant fans, right? LeBron fans. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say. Statistically, statistically, and I read this in the statistic one time, Michael Jordan missed more last-second shots than he made last-second shots by a ton. Michael Jordan is known as the greatest basketball player, won six championships, right? But statistically, it says that he missed 70% of game-winning shots, last-minute shots, but he's not identified as a failure. Today, your actions that led you up to today or other people's actions that led you to today does not change the way God sees you. He is not intimidated by your dirt. Because the, the person that was caught in adultery, think about this, I know this is graphic, got pulled out from the very act. They dragged her in front of Jesus. They said, what are you going to do with her? The law says you need to stone her. Jesus says, he who has no sin, cast the first stone. And then as everyone started dropping their stones, he didn't justify her sin. He says, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. They won't condemn you, I won't condemn you. But from this day forward, I can give you the power not to sin. Now last, this is beautiful now. I want everyone, I'm going to close with this. And then we're going to have some good cookies. I encourage you to stay and don't leave. I encourage you to fellowship with us. Lesson number four. This is the last lesson of the shepherds. Are you ready? Here it goes. Lesson number four. When we truly meet Jesus, we will naturally want to tell others about him. Come on, search. I need you to really hone in on this last lesson. These are all lessons from the shepherds because I'm going to show you what the shepherds did once they saw Jesus. They didn't tell anybody about Jesus before they saw Jesus, but after they encountered Jesus, they told everybody. Perhaps the reason why church people are now no longer talking more about Jesus is because they lost that first encounter or everyday encounter that of seeing Jesus in their lives, and they've stopped looking at it. Look at Luke chapter 2. I'm going to give you two scriptures, and then we're going to close. Are you getting something this morning? Look at verse 16 and 17. Watch this. The shepherds hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. Watch this, guys. Don't tune, don't tune me out. And there was a baby lying in the manger after seeing him. Oh, come on. Come on. Say, after seeing him. What did they do? The shepherds told everyone. Wait a minute. Not before they saw him. Not before they encountered him. Not before they, they had a visitation from him. When they encountered him. When they saw him. They were so moved by what they saw. Their lives were so changed by the glory that was coming from God in the flesh that they told everyone. One of the lost arts of the church of Jesus Christ is sharing our faith to others about Jesus that don't know what he did for humanity. If you could be honest with yourself, when's the last time you and I witnessed to somebody that doesn't know Jesus? When's the last time you lovingly told someone about Jesus and told them to come to, the, to your local church. When you see Jesus, nobody has to take you to a class for you to evangelize about Jesus. 
You don't have to go to a five-hour training course and someone teaching you how to talk to people about Jesus because you're so enthralled with meeting him. You're so enthralled with your life being changed. You're so amazed that once you were blind, now you're seeing. Once you were lost, now you're found. That you're so filled with this freedom that telling people about Jesus will be automatic. If more people would behold Jesus every single day of their lives, if more people would see Jesus in their lives, not their jobs, not their money, not even their opportunity, not even a blessing, but if you, if you seek Jesus, all things then will be added to you. We've lost the art of seeing Jesus every day in our lives. Listen, listen, we know about Jesus. That's why there's a difference going to shout at this one, between safe folks and church folks. There's a difference between church folks and safe folks. There's a lot of church folks. I said there's a lot of church folks. I said there's a lot of church folks that don't know Jesus. And we come to church but we don't live right all the rest of the week. We don't read the Bible. We don't live holy. We don't talk to God. But yet we come every Sunday. But Jesus folks are not perfect folks. Watch this. Saved folks are people that see Jesus and say in the privacy of their life where nobody's looking, they say, I can get away with this, but I choose not to because I want to honor God more than I, more than I want to honor my flesh. That's Jesus. That's saved, folks. Church folks would be like, no one's watching. See the difference? Church folks are like, I'll repent tomorrow. Saved folks is like, I'm going to hurt the heart of God. And I'll leave you with this. This, this just so touched me. Even John the Beloved knew this secret. Everyone, this, I'm, 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 I saved the best for last. John the Beloved, the apostle, knew this secret of the shepherds, that he could not accurately depict Jesus without first experiencing Jesus. Please let this hit home. Is it a possibility that above you being scared and intimidated, right? Everyone uses that. I'm intimidated. I'm scared. Above that, can it be that your intimidation will be absolutely wiped away when you're burning? with Jesus? Listen, have you ever felt in love with anybody? Just come on. Just, just, be, you, just raise your hands, right? You don't care how society thinks that other person looks. To you, that's the best person in the world. And if you're truly in love, you're not ashamed. Come here, girl. Come here, girl. I want to show you the whole world. Or come here, come here, papi, whatever you call him. Papa, papi. Huh? That. You're not ashamed. You're just like, this is, this is him. This is who I love. Or this is her. Look, and you show it to everybody. Why is it that it's not that way for Jesus, for Christians? Why is it that we, like, well, you know, you know I, I could do that, buddy, but, oh, oh he, Jesus, 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 he's Jesus, I mean, you know, I, you know, you know, sometimes it's weird. the Bible has progressed throughout the years, you know, it doesn't really mean the same thing as 2,000 years ago, yes, it does, here's the last scripture, watch this, put that last scripture up, I, I, I wept with this, every time I read this, John the Beloved, and I'm closing with this. He said, we proclaim to you. This is when he's older now. Jesus is already resurrected. He said, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. 
whom we have heard. Listen. And we have who? Huh? And we have what? Seen. We saw him with our own eyes. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. And touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Keep going. This one is life itself was revealed to us. And when we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Here's the last verse. Watch this. Remember the story of the shepherd is that when the shepherd saw Jesus, they what? Come on. When the shepherd saw Jesus, they what? Told everyone. We're talking about your personal witness. Now watch. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen. Oh, come on, church. And heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son. In other words, John the Beloved said, the person I'm talking to you about is not something I read about. The person I'm talking to you about is not because I read it in the book of Isaiah. We saw him. We touched him. We handled him. That which our eyes have seen and our hands touched, that which we proclaim to you. The fourth lesson of the shepherd is this. If you see more of Jesus in your life, you will tell more about Jesus to others. That is the lesson. So I want everyone to stand up because God is challenging us this morning. I'm not going to have a big altar call, but I'm going to have an opportunity for those that don't know the Lord to get prayed for, and then we're going to fellowship. Put this up here. I want everyone to look at me. There's four, there's four lessons of the shepherd. But I say four. Maybe you need all four of them in your life. Maybe you need one. But here's a review. The first lesson of the shepherds in the fields is that Jesus comes in ordinary places to ordinary people. Today you may have disqualified yourself for many years saying, I'm just so ordinary. I don't think I could be like these spiritual people here. Be at peace. God still wants to visit you despite your lack of deepness, your lack of spirituality here. Number two, Jesus always comes when we least expect it. Some of you are, have been praying for years. I've been praying for months for a breakthrough in your life. Guess what? Be not weary in well-doing. For in so doing, suddenly you will reap if you do not faint. So number two, some of you are at the brink of giving up. I feel that in my spirit. You're about to throw in the towel. And God is about to enter your life. Don't give up. Don't give in. You will win if you don't quit. Number three is that Jesus comes to restore his joy in your darkness. Is there a period of darkness in your life? Today we can resolve it by remembering that Christmas story. He came in a dark place and he wasn't intimidated by the dark. And number four, if you see Jesus, you'll talk more about him. Let's lift up our hands. Our worship team is going to sing one song. And I'm going to wait. We're going to pray for those that don't know the Lord that we'll dismiss you. Come on, let's just close our eyes and lift up our hands before the Lord.